If you've ever had children, you will know that that's also one of the most annoying questions because the problem with the question why is that you can just keep going because whatever answer you say, there can be the answer why. Um, and my, my question says, if we kept going and we kept asking about life in general, um, where would we end if we kept on asking why? You know, why are we here? Why are we at church? Why are we singing these songs? Why have you got up early when you've probably maybe worked all week to come to church? Why? Why are we doing this? Why have you made the effort to come? Why are we singing these songs? Why do we read this book, this Bible, this collection of books, I should say? Why am I here? Maybe you're asking, asking that question right now. You know, why are you here? And, and that's really provoked my thought over the last um, few months as to why are we doing what we're doing? What's the purpose of life? And that's kind of led me to this, um, this subject. To my, I've got two titles. Uh, the, the title I put in the newsletter was The Radiance of Christ. And, and you're probably thinking, what has that got to do with the question why? Um, and this is, this is where I want to sort of tell you what I'm going to be talking about. I think the answer to the question why... Why do we exist? Why are we here? Why are we still around? If we've met Jesus, why are we not just taken to heaven where um, we can just be released from this world and all the troubles of this world? Why are we still here? It's for the glory of God. And uh, so when I talk about the radiance of Christ, I'm talking about the glory of God. Um, I don't know about you, whether you're like this, whether you like walking out in the, in the woods or you go out in the countryside, or wherever you've been. I've seen the Himalayas, um, and I remember being in the plains at the bottom, and you see the Himalayas, and you, and you can look at it, and you just go, wow, you can see these, maybe you've even seen it on TV, you can still say, wow. Or when, if you've been on a plane, and you've gone up, um, and Daniel's gone to India, you might have seen this, you go up above the clouds, and you see the tops of the mountains above the clouds, and something in you says, wow, this is incredible. When you look at, um, we don't really get this benefit um, of seeing the stars at night in London because there's too much light pollution but if you go to somewhere where there isn't and you see the stars and you just, something in you says wow. When I was in Australia we went to this science museum and we went into this sort of dome thing and, and it was like this um, almost, I don't know what you'd call it but it, it's kind of like a free, almost felt as if you was in space you know and they're and it's all around you, sort of this surround thing. And you saw these stars. And what was strange was it's not the stars we see here. It's com- there are other stars. It's the southern hemisphere. So you're looking and they're taking you. And I tell you, I felt like I had some spiritual experience in this auditorium. Uh, I was just emotionally moved by the magnitude of space. I took geography. One of my biggest regrets is I didn't take history at school because I took geography on the basis that I would understand things about the planet and about the universe. And my biggest regret is that all I did was urbanisation and stuff about houses and things. And it just killed me and I got E in my GCSE. But I loved the space. I loved this whole thing about the world. And in, in Psalm 19 verse 1 it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Day, day to day there's something being said in this world of ours. There's something being said when you walk out or when you open your curtains in the morning and we live slightly on a hill where we are so we can get good views above the houses and so much 
of our Instagram feed is the sunset or the sunrise. Usually sunset because we're not that up that early. But the sunset, just out of the back of our window, if we look to the right, you see this amazing sky. And, um, and it's wonderful. And something in you, something is being said in this world. And I wonder whether you thought about it, is that something is being said in you, not out of your mouth, but something is being said in you because we are God's handiwork. We are um, made by his very hands. And night to night reveals knowledge, which is the end of that verse. And the question is, do you see the glory of God day by day? Do you see the glory of God in your life? Or do you see the glory of God um, around you when you look at this world that we're living in? Do you see God being spoken about? God being revealed? And um, I, I read this quote. I will read it. As it's by, I don't know this person, Brent Diels. I don't know who he is, but it's fantastic. It's like poetry. The stars are God's fingerprints. The sun is a mere smidgen of his radiance. The moon is to remind us that he doesn't sleep at night. The vastness of space proclaims the infinity of his wisdom, while his sand pebble indicates his thoroughness with the puniest details. The lion hints at his fearlessness, the bear at his power, the hawk at his keen insight, and yet those possess only a tidbit of God's, God's omnipotence and omnipresence Every tree points towards heaven. Every bird has a song to sing. Even every moment of wind goes in some direction. There is nothing chaotic about our beautiful design world. All creation has a message to tell. It says, listen, there is a God. There is a God. Isn't that incredible? I don't know whether we just get through life looking at the ground. We walk around looking where we I find this. Because um, I'm, if I, if the Lord hadn't saved me, I think I probably would be more OCD than I than I am. Just I'm just neat. But if I, if the Lord hadn't saved me, I, I would have OCD. And those tiny little um, paving stones like that, um, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm just treading outside the lines. And but it causes me to look where I'm going. I have to lift up my head and say, I'm not. I haven't got OCD. <laughs> And I just walk on the lines because I'm free. Amen? But so, <laughs> so I don't have OCD, I promise. Well, is, am I in denial? I don't know. <laughs> but nevertheless, but we can walk around looking at the ground. We can walk around looking at our problems and our situations, can't we? But I want us to think this morning about God's glory and his radiating power, his love, his majesty, his generosity. Um, but this really started right in the beginning because God created the world. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it, um, it's, he particularly says this, and you can read the, the account, but he says this, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. When he looked at creation, the, the, the great artist and the creator of the universe created this great scenery, and he stepped back and he looked and he said, that is good. Um, I've just made another table for the cafe. It's a longer one. And, um, but there's always something that annoys me about my own handiwork. I look at it and go, oh, what a shame that that um, isn't right or this isn't good enough. Whereas everything, God, who is the perfected creator, could step back and say, this is good. Everything I make is never going to be perfect. But he's made something perfect. He's made something very good. And part of that um, creation was us, mankind. 
He says, God created man in his own image. This is verse 27 of chapter 1. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We are God's creation. But what I've always struggled until recently, I've started to really get this. How does humanity carry the image of God? Yesterday was uh, Holocaust Memorial Day. And if there's anything that says something about humanity, it was that. When we look in, in the paper stage, only, all you have to do is read the news and you see a, what, is, what humanity really is. Can we see the image of God in humanity in these days? But the Bible says that we're created in the image of God. And I was thinking, how do I look like God? What does God look like and how do I look like him? And then through just looking at this and thinking about this and reading about this, I came to this conclusion. Um, actually, do you know what? Humanity carries the image of God. We were created to display the glory of God. We are image bearers. And what we find is, is that, um, that what the cross did, it brought us back from a place, because right at the very beginning, for those who don't know the story, we were made perfect humanity, and then we disobeyed God by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, tempted by the enemy, gave in to temptation, sinned, and the, the image of God was tarnished. The whole creation was tarnished. Even what we see in this creation, which is so beautiful, is a fallen version of the original. It's a broken version of the original. Can you imagine what heaven will be like? I remember someone saying this, a youth leader, when I was growing up in the youth. Can you imagine God made this world in seven days, what he could have done in this whole time while we've been living on this earth in heaven? I know it doesn't work like that, but it just started to spark my imagination. The splendour of God as he reveals himself through what he makes. But we are image bearers. And mankind has fallen. Mankind is broken. But when God gets hold of someone, and we can look around this room and we can see people that God has got hold of. Some of us, some people know, maybe knew me before I was a Christian. Uh, when I was 18 I became a Christian. So I was a pretty okay boy. Um, but some of us were my youth leaders and I'm sure they might have some stories to tell if they could remember them because they're getting a bit old <laughs> see, see Anna and Leslie later yeah. um, but God has made a way that's why communion is so important isn't it God has made a way through the cross to redeem us, to buy us back to bring us back to him that we may be filled with him and may be the image bearers of God that's what I want to talk about this morning and often when we think about glory what does glory look like? or what does it mean? So when you look in the Bible it says, says things that show this kind of radiant brightness or a majestic vision a, a powerful consuming fire of his presence but it can also be understood as a declaration of his person. Exodus 33 verse 19, Moses was on the mountain and he said, show me your glory. And this is what God said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He wanted to see his glory, so God says, I'm going to tell you who I am. 
See, when Jesus came to the earth, he came and declared and presented and reflected and radiated the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 1, in the first few verses, says, In these last days he has spoken to us by Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. In Revelation 21 verse 22 it talks about heaven and it makes this statement. And I don't know if you've ever read it. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. The Lamb is another name of Jesus. Jesus is the lamp of heaven. He is the light. He is the shining. He is the brightness. He is the glory of heaven. This is our Jesus. You know, we're in the, um, if we had time, we'd look at chapter 1, where John has a vision of Jesus. And it says about this glorious, radiating um, brightness of his face. You could go to the Transfiguration, when Jesus um, took... Two of his disciples, three of his disciples up onto a mountainside and then they had a vision of Jesus standing and he had been transfigured, had been changed and he was bright shining. And then you could look at um, other great images of the Old Testament where the fire of God came powerfully amongst the people of God. God has always been interested or always been about the revealing of his power. But Spurgeon says this, Charles Spurgeon, he says, The marvel of heaven and earth, of time and eternity, is the atoning death of Jesus Christ. This is the mystery that brings more glory to God than all creation. That's why when we do uh, communion, we should say, this, what we're talking about here, is the most glorious thing ever that we as a church will ever be a part of. See, what Jesus did on the cross... And, the, and this is where God, I think, sees his glory most outworked as in the suffering of Jesus was to redeem us back to him. The greatest outworking of his glory was so that I could be his. Me, John from Elton, could be his. God sent his son for me because I was a sinner, sick in sin, completely unable to help myself. Dead in sin, the Bible tells me. And Jesus came, he got his hand dirty, he reached me out of the muck and he set my feet upon the rock. He washed me clean, he paid the price for my disobedience and my sin. He paid my debt all out of himself. And in that process, he says, I am most glorified. Wow. In that, in, didn't that give hope to this world? So what does this mean for us? The heavens declare the glory of God, His very acts, glorify His name. Um, everything He does, does should cause us to praise Him, to love Him, to live our lives for Him. Um, we should do all these things. And yet it says this in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 and 7. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, that same radiating glory, the lamp of heaven, Jesus Christ, the radiating powerful light 
of God comes and is poured within my life, in my body. It goes on, it says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We don't really use jars of clay, but just imagine you've bought a light from the pound shop. You know how fragile that light is. If you can get it home without it breaking, you've done a good job. That's how fragile we are. The only good thing in me, the only good thing in you, if you know the Lord, is Jesus Christ. And he is the lamp of heaven. And this great mystery that, you know, John 14, 23, just to make this point again, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. And this is a verse we've probably heard many of us here many, many times, but if you've never heard this, if you've never heard that actually Christianity is about God living inside us, not us working our way to God, that's revolutionary. God's radiant glory within us. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says this, whatever you do, and the context of this is about eating and, and things like that, it's everyday things, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I'm I'm trying to build a story here. Here you have Jesus, the radiance of the Father, the glory of God, shining, radiating. We can see through creation the wonder. It speaks to us that God is here. God wants to know you. God is here. And then he comes, that same glory comes within us mortals, us Christians. And that same message is speaking. God is here. Listen, there is a God. He's real. He's alive. And that same message is in me. And so he says, everything you do is for the glory of God, is for the radiance of Jesus. So everyone might know that you might know Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We're living in a post-truth society. Have you heard about this? Post-truth society. What this means is, if you, if you, lots of this is in politics, basically it means this. No longer do, um, this is what the Oxford Living Dictionary defines it as. Oh, in which so post-truth society, in which objective facts, okay, that chair supports your weight. That is an objective fact. All right, are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Now, if you look into this, this basically means that what is true for you may not be true for me, because it depends on how you see it and how you feel it and what you determine it to be and people are changing words so words are changing meaning but it all depends on who is deciding the change of that word in the end the Oxford Dictionary will be pointless because it is no longer required because what you think that word means someone else has determined a different meaning one of the more recent ones is the word marriage but there are greater things than that. In, this, is in, this isn't just in the, in the world of, of um, Christianity and faith. This is in politics. Can you imagine? I was watching a programme the other day. And uh, someone was in the courtroom and they stood there and they said, uh, do you swear to tell the truth but nothing but the truth? How does that work in a post-truth society? If anyone knows this classic saying by one of Trump's uh, people where they were debating about how many people turned up at this inauguration. You might not remember this, but she used this term. They said, look, the fact is there were X number of people there. She said, we have alternative facts. 
You would think that people would be crazy to believe that, but that is the way society is going. There is a desire, a need for truth. The more that this world goes through this phase, this process of feeling oriented, kind of truth, the world need, will need more the truth. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. What people need from you, church, is truth. That's why if the church thinks it's okay to lie, can you imagine if there's a Christian who thinks it's okay to lie? We are image bearers of God. We, we are the ones that will reveal Christ. You know, so I am... Um, I, I, um, looking around, checking that I'm not... They're, they're not here. Someone drove into the back of me this week <laughs> in the car. And it was fine. And, they, and anyway, so afterwards I was a bit shocked. I said, look, I'm a pastor. Can I pray for you? And so they said, yes, I prayed for them. They said, thank you. you know. Um, and then the next day, I bumped into them at a petrol station I never go to. And they said, are you still practicing? I said, yeah, still practicing. Um, <laughs> I haven't qualified yet. Um, and I said, yeah. And they said, I'm going to come to your church. I thought they might turn up, but, you know, the Lord knows. But... In that moment, I thought, Lord, because I'm thinking about this, I want to radiate Christ. I want, if they're going to drive in the back of me, I want them to see Jesus. I want them to see a response that says, there's a God. Just like when they walk into the, in the Oxley's Woods and they're walking through and they see the beautiful scenery. I love walking through the woods. I love that kind of scenery and maybe some of us see it, the glory of God in many other ways. I wonder whether you looked around in this room right now or in the worship time, if you've ever done it, just do it slightly so no one notices and you can see the glory of God on people's faces. I, I saw someone, they're not here today, I'm not going to say who it was, they're in this meeting and I looked around and they just had their hands up like this in worship and I said, yes, that is the glory of God. Yeah. Not a mature Christian, I don't know where they are in the things of the Lord but they had their hand up in worship. They probably didn't think much of it. But maybe you can see the glory of God. When the young people last night were serving at Hannah's birthday party, you can see in Dirk and Teo the glory of God. When Simeon's on the drums, he's thinking, no one can see me behind Esther. <laughs> the glory of God. We've got to open our eyes, I think. But more than that, we need to express the glory of God and... And this is my heart for us this morning, that we realise we are the image bearers of God. If there's anyone out there, this world needs truth. It needs an expression, it needs the display of God. It needs people to see in your face, there is something different about you. There's something different about me. And what comes out of our mouths, how we respond to situations. You know that old saying, people don't know you by your actions, they know you by your reactions. And there are many ways that we can glorify God. And let's think about this. If everything, whatever you do, is for the glory of God. Why am I here? It's for the glory of God, John. Why you exist? It's for the glory of God. Everything you do, every situation you're in, is for the glory of God. Um, and we've already read, you know, that God's glory dwells within us by Jesus, by the Father, living within us by the Holy Spirit. It also says this, you know, when you 
believe, this is John 11.40, I'm just going to rush through these. But when you activate faith, God is glorified. John, that's John 11.40. Yeah, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? When we're just living within our means, God's not able to break out. <clears throat> John 11, verse 4. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. John 11, verse 4. You ever wondered why you're in pain, why you're struggling? Because God wants to break through you and reveal the radiance of his glory. By our good works. You remember that, Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. By your giving and generosity, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 to 15. I know I'm going through these fast, but if you want these later, you can have them. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God, they will glorify God because of your submission. In John 15 verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Growth. As you grow in God, you glorify God. And through our praise and worship in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. If we're not shining, who is? And don't start thinking we're going to sing, shine, Jesus, shine. <laughs> Just going to say that because I've said that word. <laughs> Although I must say, when we, we, um, we was, I might have said this before, we was at this big men's conference, about a thousand men, and um, they, uh, Graham Kendrick, who's this uh, worship leader, been around for many years, who wrote that song, was singing another song, but people didn't know it and didn't have the words. So he said, "What should we sing?" And someone shouted out, "I think it's a joke." Shine, Jesus, shine! And a thousand men sung it, and I tell you, it was powerful, really powerful. Anyway, there's no, I'm not saying that we should sing it. <laughs> um, shine, yeah, shine. Through our praise. And our worship. Do you know what? If God, if we understand the why, the why you're at that job you don't want to be at is for the glory of God. The why your finances are low and you have to scrimp and save is for the glory of God. It changes the way we approach things, it changes the way we think of things. The why you're in the situation you're in is because God, who has control over our lives if we let him, if he, we will abandon ourselves to him, is saying, you are my image bearer, you're my glory through you. In that revelation it says, about Jesus being the lamp, it says, and the kings shall walk in the light of it. It says, and the kings of the nations shall bring their glory into the city. Now, that blows my mind. I don't know what it means, but I think it's the glory of God revealed through us. Because what is our glory? It is nothing. See, this, cha this should change the way we should see worship. I've just got a few things, then I'll finish. Worship. Why? Why are we here singing these songs? Why have you come this morning? Is it because you need something yourself? And, and 
let's, let's just be honest, I think we do. I need something. I need God. That was a lovely song that they started. We need God. But why? Why do I need God? Because something in me wants God. It needs me to draw out of my situation into saying there's something I've tasted of God which is wonderful. Why is that wonderful? Because I've tasted of the glory of God. I've, t- I've seen something of His radiance. I've seen something. And the more that I think about His glory, the more my life just seems to pan out. There's byproducts and prime products. And the prime product is the glory of God. Everything else will fall into place. We come and we need to put God at the forefront of our worship. We need to think, Lord, I'm here in spite of my situation to give you praise and honour. And as I worship you, as I step out, as I'm bold to express my love for you, I know that you will deal with everything else in my life. It changes our view of worship. What about mission? What about spreading the good news? Why is it that we want people to know Jesus? Is it because we're interested in their happiness? Or is it that when Jesus died on the cross, he deserves every soul to give him praise? And when someone turns up and says, I want to give my life to Jesus, what does it say? The heavens party, the heavens are, in, uh, are having a, a wild celebration because God is glorified. Why are we telling people about Jesus? The world needs to know because God deserves every heart he died for. It should change the way we pray. When we pray only when we're in need, when we've messed up, when we pray only when we need something for ourselves. What about like tonight when we meet for prayer, you come and you say, God, I'm here for you. I'm going to lay down everything else. I'm going to sit here, as we were encouraged earlier, to listen Lord, I'm here for you. Will you help me to pray? Will you help me to glorify you? Can I pray for your glory? There was, um, this really inspired me. Um, uh, Helen Cross's dad, Peter Elks, you might remember Peter, some of you. He told me this story. He said uh, there, was a, there was a woman who had been praying for her son for many years to know Jesus. And the son didn't show any kind of sign of coming closer to God at all. It was, looked more like going to go off the rails. And this, uh, this pastor that was, um, uh, this lady spoke to said, from now on, pray that God be glorified in your son. So she went and did that. And within a few months, he gave his life to God. Why was it that, if you know your, if you know your history of Israel, that Israel was taken into captivity because they had sinned, then they were brought back in the days of um, Nehemiah and Ezra, those kind of days and, and all these kind of things. But there was something quite key when you read the history that God was saying. Why did he bring them back? Is it because he felt sorry for them? Was it because he felt that they weren't having a good deal? Was it because of anything other than, and this is what it says, and you feel free to correct me afterwards if I'm wrong. He said this, for the sake of my name, he brought the people back. For the sake of his name, for the glory of God, he brought them back. It should change the way we grow in God. It should change the way we care for people. Are we helping people to find a happier existence? Are we helping people to be image bearers of the glory? Because there can be a very big difference. Are we helping people just to get through life? 
Are we helping people to say, do you know right now God is glorifying himself in your troubles? Do you know right now that if you need to stop doing what you're doing because that is blocking the glory of God? Changes the way we grow, isn't it? When we say to ourselves, Lord, you know, I know that this needs to go because I know you're not glorified in this. What about our personal life? This Spurgeon, uh, he said, you will never glory in God till first of all God has killed your glorifying in yourself. I can't remember the verse, you can look for it and Google it later, but it says this about this sin of taking the glory of man rather than glorifying God. It's a sin to take the glory of man. Sometimes it's, you know, people might say, well done, might come up to Esther and say, well done Esther. And Esther says, thank you. Um, Someone might say, Esther, you were amazing. I think you should be up there all the time. I tell you, I've never seen a singer like you, etc., um, etc. Et and she could go, well, actually, do you know what? I am very good. <laughs> she puffs up her pride and she's entered into sin. Sometimes we just have to say, thank you. But God is the one who ministers through me. That's what you've got to say, Esther. Thank you, but it is the Lord who ministers <laughs> See, when we think about our personal life, our goals, our dreams, our needs, our requirements, we look at it in the context of the glory of God. When we come to the end of our faith, when we get to that bit where we're really struggling to trust God, right then we say, Lord, how do I glorify you when I can't trust you? How do I glorify? Help me. Will you help me to glorify you? In this situation, we were praying in Devon when we went down as an eldest thing for a lady down there who's, who's not well. And there's something in, this, in the heart that says, Lord, how does this glorify you? Come and glorify yourself. How does my life glorify you in this, in this situation? I can't seem to break this habit. Come, work in me, help me, change me that I may glorify you. Changes the way we see things. So let me summarise with this. Why? What is the answer to the why? And I think it's this. All for the glory of God. We are image bearers. And this world needs Jesus to shine through us. It needs to hear the truth. See, if we are image bearers of God, we see our purpose and place in this world, the decisions we make, the way we see our life, it's for the glory of God. You might not understand it. You might not even know why you're here this morning. I'll tell you what, it's because God wants to glorify himself in you. Let's pray, shall we? Should we stand together and invite the worship team? Maybe in your heart, um, as, there's the, as God is ministering, as God is speaking to your heart, that you might just have a, a time. Well, the scripture says is, uh, examine yourself. Let us examine ourselves. Say, Lord, we want to be your image bearers. Lord, you are the light of heaven. You are the light of this world. Fill us afresh, Lord, this morning. In this day and age, Lord, where your truth needs to be known, where people need to know the way, where people who are in darkness need to see the light. Lord, we offer ourselves to you.
as your image bearers, Lord. As those, Lord, that will radiate Christ. Lord, help us in our reactions, Lord. Help us in our actions. Lord, help us as we come into church, as we come to worship, that our prime focus is for the glory of God. Lord, we bring all of our needs before you and we say, Lord, glorify yourself in these things. Father, will you make this message more than just words to us? Will you come and fill our hearts and work in us? In Jesus' name. Amen.